Episode 33 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on April 17th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. Star Wars Celebration was this week. I'll talk about my experience as well as some of the things I think could be done better next time. Also this week, the Star Wars Celebration Cantina Tour was held on April 14th. I was there and I'll tell you about what I saw, who I talked to, and what I learned. Finally this week, a beloved character from the Old Republic was almost made canon by Chuck Wendig. I'll give you the details on who it was. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 33 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I am your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. First, as always, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. And just a reminder that on April 11th, Game Update 5.2 will go live, and this was confirmed uh, during the Cantina Tour at Star Wars Celebration, so under no circumstances will we not get the Game Update on April the 18th. And what that means is the folks at the Bad Feeling Podcast will start up their brand new contest in which the winner will get a whopping 200 million credits. And all you need to do is kill Tithe, the new ops boss, and then email a screenshot of your kill to brian at badfeelingpodcast.com. Uh, and they said story mode counts as one entry and hard mode counts as two entries. All servers are eligible and you could submit as many entries as you want. And the contest will run from April the 18th through May the 2nd. So that's all the announcements I have uh, this week. Let's slice the holonut and get to the news this week. And I wanted to start off by talking about Star Wars Celebration. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but I did want to talk about it generally. First, my celebration got off to a great start. I literally arrived at my hotel on Wednesday evening and was organizing my luggage when who do I see walking my way but none other than Eric Musco and Charles Boyd. Thickest thieves those two are, I tell ya. And I did stop them to say hello and introduce myself and shamelessly mention the podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit about the then upcoming Cantina Tour and then I let them go. But uh, overall, I took that as a good omen. And, and I have to say that given the tens of thousands of people attending the event, I had chance run-ins with almost everyone I was hoping to see. And I'm, I'm mostly talking about bloggers and podcasters that I know from the Star Wars uh, community. Uh, in fact, uh, most of the big panels, by the way, are available online. So if you didn't uh, get a chance to attend uh, Star Wars Celebration in Orlando, they are out there for you to watch, and some of them are quite good. So uh, I def definitely recommend you, you check them out if you weren't able to attend Star Wars Celebration. Uh, overall, it was an amazing experience, and if Celebration 2019 is held in Anaheim or Orlando, I'll definitely plan on going, but I think they need to make some changes. 
And first, they need a venue that has a stage big enough to accommodate more people. I mean, they have arena-sized demands for the major panels, but can't uh, accommodate nearly that many people. And they also have to come up with another way, uh, some other way, other than camping out and or getting up at 3, 4, 5 in the morning to get a ticket to that day's events. Star Wars Celebration is supposed to be a fun event for all the fans, and right now the big ticket events are catered towards uh, not the fans, but the fanatics. And by the way, even if you did camp out, you were not guaranteed a spot uh, in any of the rooms where the, the, the live people were. And honestly, I don't know what the answer is, but there has to be a better way to do this. I mean, the next celebration, as I said, isn't until 2019. Uh, they did not announce a date or location during the closing ceremonies. Hopefully, that's in part due to them wanting to explore better options to handle the demand, which is only going to go up uh, as more movies are launched, and, and, and especially if those movies are successful. But I suspect it probably has more to do with them waiting until they know exactly when the, the Star Wars lands are going to open uh, that year. And also, I believe Episode Nine is scheduled for a May release uh, in 2019, although that could very well change. So there's a lot going on in 2019 that could flu influence when and where they want to hold this. But I certainly hope that they they uh, view certain things here, uh, the way things went, as as a problem and will look to find solutions. I mean, don't get me wrong. I had fun. As I said, I would happily attend another Star Wars celebration, but they're not perfect. And there are a lot of negative aspects to them that I said, that again, I hope Disney and Lucasfilm are viewing as problems that they wish to solve. Because having the time of your life should not involve, you know, having to get up early uh, or should not involve, or should I say, giving up eating, sleeping, bathing and, and having to, you know, just stay up all night or get up at all ridiculous hours of the night. I mean, you shouldn't come home needing a real vacation. This should be a vacation. It costs a lot of money. It takes a lot of effort to go down there. And you kind of should be able to do it under sort of normal human conditions. Uh, so so that's it. Like I said, I didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about the different panels and events. And like I said, I really did have a good time. Um, uh, I saw a lot, of, a lot of cool things. And a lot of what I was able to see, a lot of it's available to you online. So I do encourage you to check it out. So enough about that. I did want to talk about one of the best things to happen during Star Wars Celebration Orlando, and that was the Star Wars The Old Republic Cantina Tour. And as you know, the Cantina Tour was held Friday evening during Star Wars Celebration. Uh, the line to get in was pretty darn long. However, they had a giant space, so there was more than enough room to accommodate everyone. Uh, they had multiple bars, and the lines for the drinks were short, which was really nice. In fact, the longest waits were to get your swag, uh, to play the new operation, and to meet Darren DePaul, who of course is the voice of Valkorian, and the new boss, Tithe. So let me start with, with Tithe. Uh, during the event, players had an opportunity to challenge Tithe in story mode, and groups that defeated him got a special, uh, Tithe poster. I think they only printed like 200 copies of it. And it was very cool. It was, I think, the same, artwork uh, on the regular Tithe poster that they gave to everyone who attended, but I think it had more of a, a red, reddish background. A little more color to it. Looked a little, looked, looked a little different. It was very cool. So if you were happen to be in a group that defeated Tithe, you got one of these special posters. Now I know what you're thinking. Everyone who played won, right? Well, not exactly. 
There was definitely one group that did it because a loud cheer went up when it happened. But other than that one group, I don't know if anyone else uh, defeated him. So does that mean he's really hard or were the players just really bad? Honestly, I think this was quite literally your worst pugging nightmare. You were given preset characters. They were pub side only. And of course, you had none of your keybinds or your equipment. And in most cases, you were playing with strangers. And not everyone had played it on the PTS. And you were probably drinking a bit. So these were not exactly ideal raid conditions. Just just saying. So, I mean, I'm fairly certain that when the... Uh, when he goes live uh, on the 18th, groups, organized groups at least, won't struggle like that. I think you'll have a much easier time. I just don't think this was, you know, sort of the ideal conditions for running an operation. And uh, as I mentioned, those that defeated uh, Tithe got a special Tithe poster. That wasn't the only swag available. Those who attended also got a T-shirt, uh, I guess a, a regular Tithe poster, if you will, and 450 cartel coins. Uh, there was also a pet code and a vehicle code, which are available to everyone. In fact, if you haven't gotten your pet or vehicle, these are the codes. So to get the pet, it's SW Celebration 17. And for the vehicle, it's SW Cantina 17. And you can redeem these by logging into your account on SWOTOR.com. And then you'll, like all the other Cantina awards, these will be mailed to every character on your account and every new character that you create on your account moving forward. So once again, for the pet, it's SW Celebration 17. And for the vehicle, it's SW Cantina 17. Uh, there was a tiny bit of news to come out of the Cantina. Uh, the story that begins in Game Update 5.2 will continue in Game Update 5.3 in the form of a new flashpoint that takes place on the planet Umbara. Now, if that planet sounds familiar, it's because it was featured in the Clone Wars animated series. It first appeared in Season 4, Episode 7, Darkness on Umbara. And Umbara is known as the Shadow World due to the lack of sunlight on its surface. So expect this to be a very dark setting for this Flashpoint. And although I don't know that they announced it during the Cantina, I suspect that this will probably have Story, Veteran, and Master modes, meaning you can play it solo for the story experience, and then you'll have the veteran mode, which is, you know, the old tactical flashpoints where just kind of four random people can can play it. And then, of course, master mode, which is your hard mode equivalent. Uh, let's see, what else? They also announced that the next operations boss from Gods of the Machine will be that will be released are uh, uh, Avela and Esne. They are twin twin bosses. Uh, Avel, I guess Avela, excuse me, is the favorite daughter. And Esne, Esne is the goddess of envy. And of course she's envious of her sister because, because her sister is the favored daughter. Uh, they didn't go into specifics of this fight other than I think they mentioned something about lasers, lots of lasers. But it sounds like it also has the potential for some fun, right? Maybe a little sibling rivalry between the two and some snippy back and forth banter, uh, all to our detriment, of course. So. Uh, that's, I guess, potentially coming in game update 5.3. They did not mention when that would be coming out. They did say that a PTS for this would be available, uh, in the very near future. Uh, Darren DePaul was there. Uh, he, of course, did the voice of Valkorian and the new ops boss, boss Tithe. I had an opportunity to meet him and he could not have been more gracious, uh, nor, uh, 
more generous with his time. He is nothing like Valkorian, which was kind of disappointing, actually. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he wasn't afraid to break into Valkorian or even some of the other voices that he's done. And, and he can do all of this at the drop of a hat, by the way, which is pretty impressive. Uh, in fact, we, we chatted about some of his other works, such as a Sokrathor, uh, which is a raid boss and character in World of Warcraft's Warlords of Draenor, who I just love that character because of the voice that he did. It's just really, you're talking, uh, uh, just over the top, I guess I would say. Just just really very theatrical and over the top. Uh, also talked about uh, some work he did for Hearthstone. He did the Grim Patron card. If you're a fan of Hearthstone, you know that card. That's the one uh, where, you know, it, it emotes, you know, everyone get in here. And, you know, people find that kind of annoying at sometimes. But but he did a good job with that. And I think he also did uh, some bunch of orcs too. Blackhand uh, specifically was another, another uh, character that he voiced from World of Warcraft. So we talked a little bit about that. But... Anyway, back to him being nothing like Valkorian. I think it just would have been funny, right, to learn that uh, Valkor. To, if you were to learn that Valkorian was like his actual voice, like his normal voice, and that's really what it was like, and he'd just get in your head the entire time you were talking to him. But alas, he's just a really nice guy who is very talented and very good at what he does, and it was just, like I said, real pleasure, real pleasure to get to, to chat with him for a little bit. Now... Uh, before I get into some of the discussions I had with developers, because I did talk to a few people, let me be clear here. This was small talk. Informal, casual conversation, and unofficial. Not even off the record. There is no record. I just don't want, you know, you to walk away thinking that there's like, plans uh in the works uh, based on the conversations i had or you know there, there's there's i i just want to set the expectation too i'm not going to be dropping any bombs that i didn't really get any what i would consider to be major nuggets uh you know through my personal conversations with with, with folks that you didn't that you you know perhaps didn't get from announcements and things like that so it was just it was just really small talk as i say kind of Shooting the breeze, talking about the game, uh, but not really talking about things that they're actively working on in the game. I didn't really have a plan. I didn't have a set of questions. I didn't go in there with any kind of agenda. So I ended up talking a lot of stupid stuff. So I'm just, just going to set the expectation that I really don't have any anything. Uh, not to say that it's not entirely interesting, but just nothing to report about the actual game itself. Things that might be coming, that might be happening so so there you go uh in fact one of the people i got to meet was keith the game's new producer and as you might be aware keith put out a producer's letter ahead of the event now i'm not going to read the whole thing but uh here's some of what he wrote and he said in my previous role as director of live services for swotor my primary responsibilities were to ensure the game servers were live that player blocking issues were quickly identified and resolved, and to be the main interface between BioWare and our customer service organization. Essentially, anything impacting our players fell to me and my team to get resolved. I've been with BioWare slash EA and SWOTOR for the past six years, where I've held a variety of positions and have always been a very active player with nearly 10,000 hours of gameplay, 28 plus characters, and tons of achievements. I love playing the game and participating in all different types of gameplay with PvP being one of my favorite activities. So when you have frustrations with the game, I'm likely to have the exact same concerns. So here's what I liked about Keith. 
He's old. Not old, old, but older than I am. And I am deep into my 40s these days. And when you look at his SWOTOR player CV, you see that he sunk about 416 days of playing time into this game. I'd like to think that now, uh, that not only does he get it, but he's got a little wisdom and experience behind him to guide things, and, and time will tell. But, uh, you know, I just got a good feel talking to him. Um, and I, I don't remember exactly what we chatted about, but, uh, but I think it was t-shirts. <laughs> and, and, you know, because we were, I think talking about the t-shirts, somehow the conversation turned to the t-shirts that they were handing out. And I mentioned how I'd be willing to buy them if they were available and how I remember back in the beginning, you could buy them from, from Jinx. And if they were to do that again, it would be kind of cool. As I said, I, I told you, I didn't have any agenda or any plan and that a lot of my conversations were stupid stuff. However, you'll be happy to know it's probably not going to happen, or maybe you're not going to be happy to know, but the, but, but here's why he said they'd rather focus on bringing new features to the game rather than, you know, a brand new clothing line. Now, one wouldn't think that those were mutually exclusive prospects, but hey, who am I to, to question, uh, how the, how the sausage is made? And, and if it comes between, you know, having them mass produce t-shirts for, for sale versus, you know, I don't know, building stuff for the game. I'll take stuff for the game for 200, seven days a week and twice on Sunday. Uh, so who else did I speak to? Oh, I had a chance to speak with Eric Musco. And again, I, I, I just talked a little bit about the podcast. I talked, asked about the influencer program that they have and what's involved in participating in that. And in fact, I'll be following up with him some more. Uh, but I didn't really get into any, uh, game discussion with him that I recall. Um, so just, just real quick casual conversation. Again, keep in mind, these guys were bouncing, uh, back and forth, talking to a lot of different people at the event. But that said, you were really encouraged to go find a developer or, or anyone from Bioware and talk to them because they were handing out, they were the keepers of the drink tickets. So if you wanted to drink for free, uh, you needed a, a drink ticket and these guys were more than willing to hand out drink tickets as the night went on, which was, which is really cool. So it was very encouraged to find anyone who worked for Bioware and, and start chatting with them. Now I also talked to, talked with Charles Boyd and for him it was mostly story oriented. Uh, we talked a little bit about story choices and I mentioned, I, I mentioned to him what, what my favorite choice moment in the game was, and that's with the trooper story and a character named Ava Jaxo. And even though the game is five years old, I won't spoil it here, but it's the one time in the game that I can remember sitting at the keyboard frozen for like five minutes trying to decide what to do. It's a truly classic moment and something that I would consider when you, know, when you talk about choices that matter or, or not even choices that matter, but what, what goes into what makes a good choice? I think that is kind of a go-to example of, of a truly great moment where you have to choose between A or B and you have a hard time deciding which of those to, to choose. Uh, we also chatted about Tython and the new films and whether the new trilogy was infringing on SWOTOR territory. And I should note that this wasn't a one-on-one -on -one conversation. It was, it was really a small group chat. And I wasn't necessarily leading this discussion, although it's something that I have talked about uh, in the past on, on the podcast. So obviously, I'm not the only one that looks at what's going on in The Last Jedi and where Luke is and where Luke's going to be training Rey and just wonder, hey, are we kind of 
going into the deep past of the Star Wars universe and kind of stepping into SWOTOR territory. Uh, if I recall, remember right, Charles felt like this really wasn't an issue and that basically, and I'm completely paraphrasing here, they had plenty of tools to, to course correct, uh, if they, they needed to. Um, and in fact, I did ask him, uh, if we find out and say the last Jedi that op two, uh, which is where Luke and Ray are predates Tython, would they consider a storyline that involved maybe discovering it? Uh, and he said it wasn't out of the realm of possibility. And let me clarify here. That doesn't mean it will happen. It doesn't mean that it's in the works. It's just something they could consider. In other words, the Lucasfilm story group probably would not prohibit them from going down that path if they were to do so. Again, this is all very unofficial, and Charles's answers were along the lines of it's something they would probably be allowed to do. And personally, I don't believe it's something they are likely to do. I think they, you know, plan out their stories a little bit in advance here, and, uh, you know, they've got a pretty good idea of where they want to go for the near future here. So I, I can't imagine them being agile enough at this point to really pull from the new trilogy and, and start incorporating major storylines centered around that. I just, I, I, I doubt that that, that would happen. Um, interesting enough though, he talked to, he did reiterate something and I've heard him say before that, you know, they, while they do work with the Lucasfilm story group and they're involved in what they do, they don't tell them anything as far as what's going on uh, as the new trilogies or whether it's Rebels, even, I expect even the novels or Battlefront, which of course is an EA game or, or, or things like Rogue One. So they're, they're just kind of left in, in the dark. Uh, they said they do approve things like, like the names of some of the characters and, uh, that they do. But, um, yeah, just, just interesting little, little tidbit there. Uh, I also told him how I liked what they did with Senya in Eternal Throne and how at the end of Fallen Empire, at least I was ready to blow her out of the sky. In fact, they did take a pot shot at uh, her shuttle when she was carrying, uh, running away with Arkin, but that Eternal Throne changed my mind. And I also mentioned how I liked that they explored the mother, slun, mother, son slash daughter relationship, because it's not something you see too much of in Star Wars. You got a lot of daddy issues, but not, not, not too much focus on the moms. And I would kind of like the fact that they, they chose to do that. So that was really all the discussions I had with, uh, the developers that I can recall. Like I said, they were giving out free drinks and I ended up going there at seven and I left at 11 when the place closed down. Wasn't necessarily anticipating doing that, but had a lot of other people to talk to. And plus, I wasn't just talking to the developers. I was talking to some of you guys as well. And as far as you guys go, I didn't get a chance to meet all of you if you were there. Um, I had one listener named Zen reach out to me. And he and I met and hung out for, for quite a bit at the cantina. And he was terrific. And Zen, if you're listening, it was a pleasure to meet you. Really, really enjoyed uh, talking with you. Uh, I had a chance to say hello to Darth Amessa, uh, who goes by at Arnella on Twitter who did an amazing Lana Bonico cosplay for the event. And, and by the way, there were a large group of cosplayers there and they were all incredible. There was, there was, there was a, a wonderful Arkin and Valen and there was an absolutely amazing Darth Malak, um, from, from Knights of the Old Republic. Just, just fantastic. I think the guy even shaved his eyebrows for the costume. I'm not 100% sure of that, but I think someone someone made mention of that. So, I mean, you know, talk about dedication. It was a really fabulous contest. And 
There are pictures online. Uh, just just look for Twitter. I took a few pictures myself of the cosplayers. I'll post those uh, on Twitter. I guess they're on my blog site or something. But uh, yeah, I'll get them out there for you to look at. But but go ahead and do some some searches on Twitter, and you will find a lot of cool pictures from the uh, Cantina store, especially of all all the cosplayers. Just 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 phenomenal job that they did. So that's about it for the Cantina tour. Uh, I wanted to kind of close out today uh, and talk about something interesting that came out of the Delray Publishers panel at Star Wars Celebration. So the Delray uh, panel was held on Saturday, April 15th, and it featured several authors, including Timothy Zahn, Delilah Dawson, Christy Golden, and Chuck Wendig. And uh, the panel was asked if there was anything that they wrote that they liked but was sort of shot down by Lucasfilm. And Chuck Wendig revealed information on an interlude that he wrote that was unfortunately left on the cutting room floor. Now, for those that don't know, his aftermath in his Aftermath trilogy, uh, Chuck includes these interludes that are little vignettes not tied to the main story, but involve interesting characters and places from a galaxy far, far away. Now, one such interlude involved a huckster sort of a huckster of a traveling droid salesman visiting Bespin post-Empire. And he was trying to push off a bunch of old droids under the guise that they were new and state-of-the-art. And, well, one of the droids in the mix was none other than HK-47. That's right, HK-47. And Chuck said he liked the idea of everyone's favorite murderous droid being unleashed uh, unknowingly unleashed, I guess, on the, on the citizens of Cloud City. And I have to say, I like that idea too, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. So there you have it. HK-47 was so close to being canonized. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait, uh, for another, another moment, you know, for the right, for that right moment to, to arrive. But, uh, but at least we, it's good to know that people like that, like Chuck, do have, you know, characters from the old republic, not in, in, in the front of their minds, never mind the back of their minds here. And that, uh, you know, HK 47 is one of those characters I do think believes to be, uh, canonized at, at some point here. So, but that's all I have for this week. Uh, game update 5.2 is here. I'll give my impressions on that next week. But for now, I definitely hear the music and that can mean only one thing. You have managed to survive another half hour listening to episode 33 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, Buzzsprout. Uh, you can list, also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is currently SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. And, and, and a listener, Zen, can attest. I do answer those emails if I get them. <laughs> and you can also tweet your questions to at SotorPodcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. And look for episode 34 on April 25th, 2017. And remember the Sith Code, KP is alive.